You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We are uh, doing an Advent series called The Best Christmas Ever, uh, talking about the gifts that Jesus brings into our lives. Um, Kelly last week talked about hope and the tension that comes with it. So he was really illustrating the tension that comes in our relationship with God and hoping in our relationship with God. I'm going to be talking about peace. So I'll let you decide who you like more by the end of this. Uh, he'll add tension to your life. I'm going to bring peace. Yeah, I'm just throwing that out there. Now, I, uh, one of the things I want to make clear as we go through this series is that these gifts that Jesus brings in our relationship with him are not independent of himself. One of the things I think, especially our, our consumer culture where we uh, every Christmas we give gifts, you, you take possession of those gifts, right? If I give you a gift and then say, actually, it's still mine, but you, you, know, you can play with it whenever you're hanging out with me, like that's it's not really the way we give gifts here. And so we, we give and then it's yours and you now have possession of it. And I think sometimes when we look at these words and, and what Jesus brings, the gifts that he brings for us, we'll think, it's mine, I can have it. it it'll be my, my hope, my peace, my joy, my love. But these things are aspects of who Jesus is. And so you can only experience them by being in relationship with him. And it's a continual thing. If you're wondering like, hey, I'm really struggling with joy or peace or love. And I'm really struggling with these things. It's probably because you, you've distanced yourself. And I think I'm, for me, like I, I, I've been wrestling with peace. I'll talk about it in a little bit. But I've been really wrestling with peace as I've been preparing for this sermon and I've been trying to mentally think, okay, how do I find that peace again? Because I've done this before. I've been a Christian a long time. I know the steps. I know the realizations that God has brought me to and, and helped me find peace in the past. But me doing those steps on my own led to nothing. I got nowhere. In fact, I, I think all the more I was relying on myself and not experiencing any of God's peace. So as we go through this, all of these things are dependent on Christ. And if we want to experience these things, the, the trick to getting to them is just by being in relationship with him. That's, it comes back to that tension that, that Kelly was talking about, because you can't have tension without two sides, right? So like you have to be connected to Christ and be in relationship with Christ to experience any of these. Does that make sense? I'm good on that. All right, cool. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about it. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for this opportunity that you've given me. Um, I'll admit I am not in the place that I normally am where I'm really excited. Um, I'm, I'm currently experiencing all the things that we're talking about today. So God, I just pray like that you take this time. This is yours. Um, I'm not here for myself and, and no one else's. For themselves, we're here for you to learn from you, to grow in our relationship with you, uh, to better glorify you in our lives. So God, help us speak to us, move in this place right now. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been looking at this from Mary's perspective. Mary, the mother of Jesus, and we've been looking at her song that she sings. And I just wanted to reiterate what's going on in Mary's life. She's a, a young woman that's been betrothed to what we can, we get from Scripture is a, a pretty decent guy, seems like a decent enough guy, 
and so she's got her life relatively mapped out at this point. I don't know how excited she was about it, but I know that she was pretty well expecting how the next, you know, 30 years at least would go as she's, she's getting ready to marry this man and, and start having children and, and do all the stuff that every other girl her age was doing. However, that's all interrupted. Interrupted in a moment of, of crazy inconvenience where God shows up, an angel shows up and tells her that she's going to get pregnant, not by her fiance, but by God himself. And, and the Messiah is going to be born because of her. She's going to give birth to the Messiah. And so God comes into her life and inconveniences everything, interrupts everything in her life. And I have to imagine, like, we don't get a lot of scripture to understand this, but I, I'm sure there's a big part of Mary that's freaking out about this. Does anyone else get inconvenienced by God sometimes? Have you ever experienced that? Is yours a whole lot smaller than getting pregnant? Like, <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I mean, if I got pregnant, that'd be a big surprise. But for all of us, I think that even the minorest things where God comes in and steps into our life and does something that interrupts what our plans are, man, I don't know about you, but I get so frustrated by this. I'll be like, why God? Why did you even make me at this point? Like that's the level of drama I'll go to for just the smallest things. And yet here's Mary being told like, hey, you're going to get pregnant. Your whole life is going to change. Your relationship is definitely going to struggle with your fiance because this is going to be a tough pill to swallow. And you're going to have to have faith that this, this is all because I have a big plan to use you. And I, I'm pretty sure that she was freaking out for a while, but then she went to visit her, her relative, uh, Elizabeth. She went to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah. And as she's going to visit them, John the Baptist uh, as we would later know, was inside of Elizabeth. She was pregnant with him, and he leaps for joy, and then she gets this kind of confirmation during this whole experience while she's spending time with Elizabeth that she really is indeed barren with, with the Messiah. This is, this is God's plan. God's plan to redeem his people is finally happening, and it's happening through her. And she gets to be a, a huge part of that story. And so she has that experience, and then after that, after that experience with Elizabeth, she, she sings this song that we're looking at this Christmas season. She sings this song, and I'll read it again for you, uh, what she says. But I just want you to, to think about the, the myriad of emotions that she's probably been experiencing during this time and, and what, this might fe- what this feels like for her. So try to visualize that and experience that as I read what she says. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. For now on, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. His holy, or holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. 
So after experiencing this time with, with Elizabeth, she erupts in this song and shares her words of, of how she has become blessed. And as she's doing that, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is how does she experience this peace? How does she experience this contentedness and even joy at this moment? How, how is she so calm in the midst of this crazy interruption that God's done in her life? And I really wanted to preach that sermon. I wanted to preach the sermon of how do we have the same peace as Mary? But that's not the direction God took me on. Um, instead, uh, we're going to talk about how we are hindered from that peace. And that's because as I've been preparing for this, and honestly, it's, it's not just been the past couple weeks, although that's, that's been a big part of it, but the, this whole past year, I have not been living in God's peace. I have not been experiencing this. And that's not me like sitting here complaining. I'm telling you that I'm about to be very hypocritical in what I'm telling you all to do because I've been doing it so poorly myself. And nothing has made that more clear than preparing for this sermon. That as I'm going through, I mean, even now, as I, I, you could talk to the people that saw me before I, I got up here, I was not ready to do this. I have not been living in God's peace. And so instead of being able to like, hey, I know what, I know what Mary's feeling because I, I feel that same peace, I'm going to be telling you all the stuff that's prevented me from experiencing God's peace because that's the direction God has led me on. So I got five things, five things that, that have prevented me and probably beyond me, all of us, from experiencing the peace that Mary has in her relationship with God. The first thing is, we don't understand or prioritize peace. Um, one of the things that I learned as I was studying this is that the word peace in our mind often means like no conflict ease, you know, something very easy, calm, it's relaxing, it's simple. But the word in the Bible, shalom in Hebrew and irene in Greek, both connotate the same thing where it's actually more of a wholeness. And, and so there, there's elements of that, that you know, ease and, and relaxation, but it's, it means wholeness. And so if you, if you watch the Bible Project video, which is, it's only like three minutes, but it's really good explaining this. They describe it as like a wall. Like if you think about a wall that you've built and each brick is laid out perfectly and the wall is missing nothing. It is whole. It is complete. There's no cracks. There's no gaps. It's just this complete whole wall. And when you, when you think about that, when I started to watch that, I was like, oh my gosh, like I really desperately want whatever that is. Like I want that peace. I want that wholeness, that completion that I feel satisfied that there's nothing missing or broken in my life. And that's the, the peace that we're talking about. Uh, and so we, we don't understand this peace because we, we think about it in a different way. We think it means absence of conflict, but usually there's work involved. There's, there is conflict involved in to attaining this wholeness, this peace. Um, so that, that's, that's part of it. And also, I think one of the things that their culture was much more successful at was that they prioritized this thing. This, shalom is a very important word in the Jewish culture. Like they, they would say it all the time. It was a form of greeting. In fact, Jesus himself, when he's coming to meet his disciples after, after he's resurrected, says it like four times in a row, saying like, peace be with you, shalom, shalom, shalom. Like he's, he's telling them this peace and it's a blessing that he's wishing upon them and it's a greeting that he's giving to them. It's a big part of their culture that this is something that they were hoping for, that each of them would experience this completion, this wholeness. 
that they could possibly have. All of us could be experiencing this. So if I asked, if I was blessing you and, and, and asking for God's peace to be in your life, I'd be hoping and that you would find that wholeness, that completion in your relationship with God. And I think that our culture doesn't really do this. I think our culture isn't striving for that. Their culture was striving for this wholeness, but our culture is more striving for success, ambition, self-reliance. We want to be able to do things on our own, and we're proud of each other when we do it. They constantly, we're, we're looking at these things that like, you should be pursuing this, you should be doing that, and we're proud of each other, and we're wishing that upon each, wishing that upon each other that you would have success or more opportunities to do more. And while that's not necessarily a bad thing, it's not the same thing. And so because of that, I think we have a tendency to not prioritize peace. We're not looking for this. It's not something that's high on it because it's hard to escape your culture. Like I can tell you that one of the things I desperately want is God's peace in my life. I want that wholeness that, that the Bible describes. I want that desperately. But when I have conversations with people, people will be like, what have you been up to? You know, what have you been doing? What, what accomplishments have you had? Because they want to celebrate with you. That's a nice thing, but you're constantly drawn back into this idea that it's not, I, I'm not supposed to be content and experience this wholeness. I'm supposed to do more. I'm supposed to accomplish more. And so we don't prioritize peace the way that I believe we should, and we don't understand what it really means. The second thing, I'm going to try to move through this quickly because I, I have something I want to do at the end. The second thing is that we... Forget God's power. And I say this because I'm pretty sure everyone in this room that believes in God understands that he is all-powerful. Does anyone disagree with me? Okay, good. <laughs> God is all-powerful. He is overall. He is the creator of everything. He has authority over everything. Uh, he has all this power, all the authority over everything. He is overall and in all and through all. So this is, this is God. He has all this power. And sometimes I think we, we know that, but I think we forget that. I think we forget that God is present. When we, we go through our experiences in life, when we experience difficulty, struggle, or maybe even sometimes we, we start to experience good times in our life and we're, we're climbing some kind of ladder and we're really excited about it. Sometimes I think we forget that all this is under the control of God, that he has the power. And I think we, we lose sight of that as we whatever we're going through, whether that's, that's a struggle or a failure or that's, that's something, something exciting is happening in our life. We lose sight of, of God's power and his authority over th- everything. And I wanted to look at the, a, a certain portion of Mary's song again, and it's from 48 to 50. It says this, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. His holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. So she, Mary, is, is understanding, first of all, that she is going to be known as blessed, um, which is just awesome. That was one of the most powerful prophecies that ever has been given because generation from generation beyond, we've all understood that Mary was blessed. Um, but she also says this, this powerful verse in verse 50, this powerful thing that his mercy extends to those who fear him. And this is a pretty common concept. All throughout scripture, it talks about how the people who are in relationship with God, the people who are blessed and, and connected to God, understand that they are supposed to fear him, that there's a level of fear. And if you, if you read through First John while we were going through it, there's a certain part where, where John, the author, is saying, 
We're not supposed to be afraid. We're not supposed to have fear be a part of our life. But that fear that John is mentioning that we're not supposed to have is a fear of punishment and destruction. We're not supposed to be living in fear of that, but we are supposed to have a certain fear, a reverence, a respect for God. God is all powerful. He is overall that, that he is immense. That's the word that I keep coming back to when I think about this. God is immense. And I think we, we lose sight of that. Like sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get so caught up in my relationship with him that I've, I've, I talk to him all the time that I forget just how big the God is that I'm talking to. Just how powerful he is. Just how immense God is in his in his reign, that he is over all these things and I have nothing to fear. And that's, that's one of the key things that I've learned. Uh, someone, someone told me this one time that the more you fear God, the less you will fear everything else. And that's where you're starting to recognize that God has all the power, all the authority over everything so that you have nothing else to fear. The only thing that you, the only thing that has any right to determine your value, your identity, the story that you're a part of is God. He's the one that has all the power. He's the one writing this, this script out. And so it's him that we should be fearing, nothing else. We, we don't need to be fearing all these other things because all we really need to fear is God. But again, that fear isn't, isn't one of punishment and, and destruction, but that fear is this respect, this awe for how immense God is. And as Mary says, um, if we do fear him, if we fear and those, those, the people, the generations that fear God, they will be the ones that are shown his mercy. Uh, and another way that mercy can be translated is compassion. Uh, they, they will experience God's compassion. And, and I wanted to, uh, that, that leads us into our next thing, which I think if, if we don't forget about God's power, sometimes we doubt his kindness. And this is something that I, I struggle with a lot, a, a lot, a lot, a lot, like way more than I should. I, I, I grew up in like a traditional household and, and I grew up in a traditional Christian setting. So I've been very aware all my life that I'm a sinner. And it's been very conflicting as I've grown up, because as I've grown up, I've, I've grown in my relationship with God, but I've also grown as a sinner. Uh, and so I continue to learn all these different ways to disappoint God and <laughs> And I'm very aware of it. I'm, I'm positive that I, I'm not doing good enough. And because of that, sometimes I, I lose sight of the fact that God is kind and compassionate. We know this. It says it all throughout Scripture. That God is a, a kind and compassionate God. He is slow to anger and quick to love like, and all this stuff. Like he, he, is, he is a good God. He is a kind God. But I don't know about you. I struggle to see him that way. And because of that, it definitely hurts my relationship with him, and it prevents me from having his peace because I don't return to him. Since I've moved here, I've actually had a, a great example in my life of, of someone who has shown me just unending kindness, continues that I, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this person, no matter what I do, no matter how far I fail, this person will still care about me, and I know that. And because of that, I... I feel, not only do I feel completely okay going to this person no matter what, no matter what's going on in my life, no matter how much I'm struggling, I feel complete confidence that I can go to this person and talk to this person. Not only that, though, I, I want to. I'm excited when I get to talk to this person because I know they care about what I have to say. 
I know they care about me and what's going on, and they don't care about whether or not I'm struggling or failing. They care just about me. You ever experienced that? It's such a, it's such a profound and powerful thing when you can experience this, this level of kindness and compassion from somebody. It doesn't matter that you can go be in their presence, go talk with them, and they will care about you. And it's only then that I've been starting to, like only in this last year that I've been starting to connect these dots that that's how God feels. And I've been recognizing that I, I need to better understand God's kindness. I need to better realize that he cares about me and wants relationship with me and doesn't care about my failures and flaws nearly as much as he cares about me. And if, if I can wrap my head around that, not only do I think I'll feel comfortable going to him, I'll be excited about it. And that's, that's the part that's hurting my heart lately and what's been preventing me from peace is that I just haven't been excited about going before God because I've been so wrapped up in my own sin that I, it's eclipsing his kindness. I'm, I'm caught up in my, my sin and my failures that I, I'm losing sight of how good and compassionate our God is. There's a, a verse that I, I wanted to read with this, and it's a highly quoted verse, so you'll probably have heard it before. It's in First Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It says this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. This is one of my favorite verses, and in the context, uh, the author of First Peter is just telling people to humble themselves and to be better in relationship with each other and with God. Um, and one of the key things that he says right here is that we're supposed to cast our anxiety. We're supposed to humble ourselves before the Lord and then cast our anxiety on him because he cares for us. And, and this is something that I, I've learned over the years that I, I think uh, our society, it's frustrating me that our society is so okay with stress and anxiety. <laughs> My generation and the generation behind me, we're, we're all just making jokes about it now. It's just, it's just a part of who we are. We have this dark humor. You've probably seen it everywhere. It's in memes. This is just what we're, we're just, this is just life. This is, you know, I, I live in this. Anyone seen the dog where the dog's sitting and the fire's going on all around him? And it's like, this is okay. You know, like that's, that's what we're experiencing constantly. And we think that anxiety and stress and fear are just something we have to accept. And I, I, I often think of anxiety the same way I think of lust. It's, it's a part of my, my being. There's, there's actually part of who I am biologically that causes these things to happen. But that doesn't mean that it's okay and I need to just live with it. I just need to accept it. It means that I need to learn how to work with God to rule over it. I don't think it's okay for you to just live in anxiety. I don't think that's something God wants for you, and I don't think that that's something that you should be accepting. I think we need to learn how to cast our anxiety, and I think the verse itself tells us exactly how to do that, to recognize that he cares for you. We, we know God's powerful. We're not forgetting that. We know he has all this power. Now you have to remember he cares about you. Whether it's, it's a big thing or a small thing, he wants to hear from you. And again, this is Corbin preaching this all to you, struggling with it mightily himself. So I understand. I understand that I am still having a hard time going before God because I forget that he cares about me, but that's all I need to remember. 
That's what I need to hang on to is that belief that, that the God that I'm speaking to wants to hear from me, cares about me, knows what's going on in my life, and wants to help. That's, that's the God we have, and that's the God that we go to. So if you want to, so, so far we've, we don't understand, we don't prioritize peace, we forget about God's power, and we doubt his kindness. The, the fourth thing is that we lose perspective. Um, this kind of goes in with the power thing too, but it's one of the simplest things that happens all the time in, hum- in humanity. Like we will go, whether again, whether we're going through a, a time of struggle or failure, or we're going through a good time where things are going really well, we tend to get self-involved. It's, it's really easy to start looking at yourself. If, if things are going well, you're really excited about how things are going in your life. Uh, you got a promotion. You, you, something good is happening. You, you tend to like start to draw your value from that moment because it feels good. Like, it feels good in that moment. Like, oh, I, if things are going well, I must be a good person. God is blessing me. Awesome, because go me. You know? And so like, you'll, you'll be drawn to this, this self-focus. And then on the other side, when you're going through something, you'll do the same thing. You'll, you'll go through this struggle and you'll be like, oh, woe is me. How terrible is this thing that is going? Why? Why? I thought I was a good person. Like, what is happening in my life? And so you're so focused on yourself. And we just, no matter what's going on, no matter what circumstances we're in, we keep getting drawn back to ourselves and away from God and away from others. And we lose perspective that we're supposed to have. All these passages, by the way, that talk about peace, they're surrounded by humbling ourselves before God and before each other. Loving God and loving others. Like all of these passages that I was, I was just looking through and trying to see what the context of the verses are. And they all come back to this same idea that we need to humble ourselves before God. Return to recognizing his power, his authority in your life. And if you do that, whether you're going through a good time or bad, then you will, you will return to his peace. And this is where I think Mary does something so fascinating, so amazing. Because... I'm sure at the, at the start of this, she was wrapped up in her own story. Because again, she's, she's engaged to be married. Something good, like her life is going on this trajectory, but God interrupts that. So how does she come to accept this new story that's happening in her life? Well, she recognizes this isn't about her. This is about what God is doing. This is God's story. And I'll tell you, the times that I have experienced God's peace in my life is when I remember that that this is his story, that all of this is what he's up to, that my life isn't about me and what I can attain, but what I can do to help him in his story, what I can do to be a part of his story, and what I can do to help other people along the way. The times I'm at most peace in my life where I experience this peace that, that Mary has in this moment is the times that I remember all that. When each and every day is not about me and what I want to accomplish what about God and what he's up to and how I can partner with him, be a part of what God is up to. And I think that's what Mary returns to. She's excited. She's saying generations will call me blessed because I'm getting to be part of God's story. It's not about me, what I get to do, how good I am. I'm returning to God's story. She is humbly taking the role that God gave her. And it's not an easy one. The last thing that I wanted to, the last thing that I think prevents us from experiencing Mary's peace is that we don't want it. We, we actively choose not to, 
to live in God's peace. I want to read another verse in in, uh, Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. I'm going to read it one more time. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. This, uh, this passage tells me one simple thing. It's a choice. You choose to be in God's peace. I, I, I know that we've got a lot of circumstances and things drawing us away from God's peace, a lot of things drawing our focus away from that. But it's, it is a choice. You can choose to remain in God's peace. And you can let it rule over your heart. You can keep God in his position and understand that it's his story. You can choose to reject these things that are preventing us from his peace. You can choose all this. This is your choice. You have the ability to do that. But we don't want to. Again, this may just be me projecting on all. I'm sure you're all good people that want God's peace. But me, sometimes I feel more comfortable in my anxiety because it's mine. I feel more comfortable in my fear and my frustration because they're mine. They're mine. I have power over them. I have possession of them. And if I want to live in God's peace, I know if I want to let it reign over my heart, I know it doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. This is one of the hardest things that we have to accept over and over again in our relationship with God is that this isn't This isn't because of our strength or our ability or because we deserve anything. It's because of what he's done. And the same thing here with peace. If we want to return to God's peace, if we want to have it in our life, if we want to choose it, we're going to have to 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 understand that that means that we're resting in him, not in ourselves. This isn't ours. We don't get to keep it. We don't get to claim it as our own, as something we deserve we have to just go before him and humbly ask for it and continue to be in his presence to, to retain it. And it's tough. It comes back to that tension thing that, that Kelly was talking about last week. If you want to have God's hope, yet it's going to be tense. There's a tension there. The same thing with this peace. Like you want, you want the peace and you think that that means everything's going to be easy and slack and you don't have to worry about it at all. But there's tension there where you have to trust that his peace isn't just going to go away. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.